0: We at on the way home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. <coughs>
1: welcome to on the way home a podcast dedicated to the issues surrounding homelessness and the incredible experts making a difference in the lives of homeless people remember to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you're listening and share it with a friend
2: hello welcome to the joe rogan experience i'm I'm just kidding it is another episode of on the way home and i'm your host michael braithwaite i am from blue door i work with some amazing people at blue door and we do this podcast in partnership with the canadian alliance to end homelessness uh and if uh you were to ask me yes tim uh richard did steal his look from me i had this look first um, and i do it better let's talk a little bit about what's happening at the canadian alliance to end homelessness if you haven't heard by the time you hear this podcast you might have missed their early bird deadline to sign up for their conference it is the largest conference in this sector around homelessness and housing this is going to be an incredible year first time in a few years that we're able to get back together in person it's in toronto hey but if you don't want to travel to toronto there is a virtual part you can go in person and and listen come see me in toronto away uh, on the way home we'll be there we'll be doing a lot of live podcasting from there and some interviews so it'll be really really cool but i mean other than that just amazing they've already put out a preliminary program so check that out and right off the bat the the speakers and the guests they have are are incredible the best in the field Uh, so check that out and sign up Uh, try to sign up early so you get a bit of a discount but it's well worth it the biggest in the country and as always they're doing great work uh, with their built for zero team if you're interested in becoming a built for zero community check out their website at caeh.ca I am from Blue Door, as I said before, and lots of cool stuff happening at Blue Door. If you missed a podcast a few weeks back called Dwell, it's a pretty cool new program that we've worked on with Habitat for Humanity and the wonderful people at SHS Consulting. And really, it's about, can we have people paying rent geared to income, living in longer term housing, but building equity over time? So if they choose to leave after five years, could they leave with a $10,000 nest egg? Uh, and have some hope in uh, and really do some cool things in the future whether it's going back to school uh, Maybe moving out and having enough for down payment and some new furniture and set up and that kind of thing Dwell is the program and they will be looking to scale that uh, Across York region and hopefully across the country sometime soon So Blue Door is working on that and as we speak there is a 18 unit transitional housing building that is super efficient and effective lead certified built by the region of york incredible within about a year and a half that is opening that will be operated by blue door so that's 18 new spaces in york region uh for single men which is really really cool so that is happy lots of stuff happening at blue door by the time you hear this podcast we are just be about at the time where we're going to celebrate 40 years of service uh, in our community Uh, and now starting outside of our community for blue door so that is incredible but i have talked way too long i've got an incredible guest waiting as always there are so many people around the world doing great work uh and as we, we kind of battle this challenge to end homelessness prevent homelessness but in our own country in canada on the east coast we have an individual leading great work Uh, and he's here today joining us. So today we have Doug Pawson with us, and Doug is the executive director of End Homelessness St. John, uh, a system change entity leading the development and implementation of the St. John's Community Plan to End Homelessness, and Doug's gonna expand a little bit on that uh, when he joins, he comes on. He's a systems-based thinker but an entrepreneur Penurious appetite for social change, and I can back that up. He absolutely does. Doug is committed to serving the most vulnerable neighbors in our community. Uh, before he got into this role, he was in Ottawa for 12 years working in community mental health, uh, you know, in, in homelessness, housing, mental health, hand in hand, right? So that's a great experience to have. He led innovative and nationally recognized social enterprises, uh, social finance programs, through significant periods of growth. We are so pleased to have you here today, Doug. Welcome yeah, to the show. Yeah, thanks
0: for Michael. appreciate it. And uh, congratulations on the board
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I wasn't there for the first uh, 37, but it's been a great last three, and, and uh, I wouldn't be there for the last three if it wasn't for those first 37, for sure. The team and the community have been good to us. Doug, we start the show with the same question for everyone, because there is no one answer. It's a little different. There's a lot of similar themes. So I'd like to ask you, what does home mean to you?
0: Yeah, that isn't a one-size-fits-all uh, question. The concept of home, it's a place
1: where, uh, you know, you have a safe place. You go, it's a place of refuge. It's a place of safety. I think um, it's a to make memories. It's a place that, um, you know, at the end of the day, you can feel comfortable having a good sleep. And I think the of, homelessness, that idea of having just sleep consistently in your own space is, is so important. So that's, I take a very basic approach, but it's, it's, you know, for everybody. That sort of sense of safety and, and comfort is really think, paramount.
2: You know, Doug, it's so interesting you mentioned sleep, and, and you come from a background in mental health as well, right? Now, we I, at uh, when I was with that 360 Kids, we used to do, in the middle of the winter, this uh, night uh, to, uh so uh, it was called the 360 experience and you spend a night on the street and it's interesting we take adults from all walks of life politicians uh police officers all that you know who support us and they do that they separate the shoes of youth for one night in the cold and they don't get very much sleep and the sleep they get is not very good because they're sleeping outside or sleeping rough um and they talk about the next day what a mess they are because of sleep. so i think people don't understand. Uh, Yes, home is so important, but that sleep aspect, being safe and getting sound sleep, you know, how important that is to your mental and physical health. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, when that's one night that people are talking about, when that's every night of your life, what that does to you uh, and why people might self-medicate, et cetera, so thank you for uh, for talking about that. Am I on the right track?
0: Yeah, I think it's incredible. I mean, we can't expect people that they're festive or, you know, you know, sleep deprived or, or hunger uh, pieces up, and like you said, it's just that over time, it's just adds to the trauma of body and mind uh, and how do you expect to invest in and fulfilled life if if you know, those big elements of, of survival kind of uh, compromised.
2: Yeah, that's right, that's right, and all all tied together as well. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Ed Homosist Saint John's fairly recent, right? There were some changes there, went through a transition at the very beginning of the pandemic, not planned. It was planned, but the pandemic obviously was not planned. Can yeah. you give us a little history?
1: I think about the opportunity to come in and serve as a director at Homes of St. John's in 2019 was the ability to lead our, our team out of the city of St. John's. Um, you know, the city of St. John's had held a, the federal government sort of as a community entity, so that was the the forum by which a lot of the federal government uh, home would be distributed to the community.
0: There have been intentional governance reviews which said, you know, maybe this is best served
1: in its own, uh, you know, purpose-built nonprofit. profit so, so the idea was, you know, uh, through 2019 and early 2020 to transition our team, our, team, um, our director, our community advisory board, our staff, to, to transition from St. John's uh, into our own purpose that community entity uh, work uh, for, for our community in St. John's. And so, we did, um, you know, to leave, effective April 1st, 2020, and uh, probably a couple weeks, like everybody else, um, we were in the pandemic. Hit. So, so we were, you know, uh, several days old as an organization, um, trying to support a community, uh, a pandemic response. Uh, first, you know, in partnership with one of our community organizations here in isolation such as shelter stayers who are uh, testing in isolation due to COVID and and just expecting the you know the investments across the into support services into harm reduction work with health systems and food security issues everybody was kind of in at the time so as an organization being a pandemic everybody else trying to develop a response with the and um, you know Real challenge, but um, but definitely being
0: out of the city, you know, on our own, we could make these decisions really quickly and support community really. Quickly. So that
1: was that was kind of a blessing in disguise. But uh, definitely for for us as an organization, as a community, like the whole country, and I think the world was experiencing like it at the time.
2: So you launch in 2019. Are you ready to launch? Did your your goals really really change? Uh, really pivot because of the you know opening of the pandemic? So. We
0: we were like a lot of communities, you know, we're reaching uh, you know, to develop our community, five-year community plan ten. homelessness. And so
1: we consulted consultation all through 2019. And then, you know, you're starting to lead, get the lead, start to implement and action priority But the community is And then all of a sudden the pandemic It's and, you know, you know, there was a bit of like, we have to, obviously we need to adjust and pivot to meet the needs of folks no, but all we're thinking about is what our goals as a business and planning um, and with the federal government. How do we community in a way that allows people of reducing chronic homelessness, reducing homelessness, uh, while ensuring people were able to maintain um, some level of safety uh, during the early pandemic?
2: And you talked about this a bit, but you're this is a little different, right? Like your role in the community, you may not do direct service. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about your role uh, in the community and in the sector, not just so our listeners understand fully.
0: Yeah. So when I say system planning entity, we we essentially exist uh, uh, and support the community. We three sort of prior areas that the communities helped us identify uh, systems coordination, which we work to be a coordinated action. Um, these are requirements for government, but uh, best practices and how you support uh, individuals who are uh, at risk of or experiencing homelessness. So, we lead the community, the coordinated access function. Uh, we maintain our community our list of real time lists of everybody who's experienced. homelessness. Uh, we collect a lot of information and data. Our second sort of priority area was to inform our decision making? How do we use data to inform? Our um, you know, using data for good essentially, um, while maintaining um, you know, an understanding of how things are moving within and between the system in our community, um, and using that data to inform our work. So if you go to www.wecanedit.com on the main page we have a data that shows sort of of, of of product homelessness. And then we do a lot of assessments in the community. We, we facilitate a program that um, to our are um, in the community, we're supporting individuals looking at a lot of landlord facilitation for landlord facilities for the community. For example, looking deposit, damage dep- damage positive. and then create all ovens to those units through coordinated act. For communities working together to prioritize housing for individuals, and we help at the risk that a lot of sort of smaller populations. Prevent diversion work. Uh, we, uh, support at risk of homelessness, maybe facing a utility or a rental arrears. So we try to fill gaps. Uh, whether it's you know supporting a, a $400 utility so they don't have to be, um, or uh, topping up our income support. So we you know security deposits are key for housing. Income support programs don't usually be enough, so we can top it up. Get somebody and it So we try to fill gaps, system level and work with our community public system partners um, and then we do the efforts as well and, and that, that's just part of the work that i think we all do in this space
2: well i, I am tired just hearing about uh all the work you're doing. this is with a team of five people right
0: well we've got a team we've got a team of 16.
2: oh wow congratulations we had to grow, still go
0: through the pandemic we're going to provide pandemic response work toward our goal so yeah, we're really for a good team To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit ConstructGTA.ca.
2: Fantastic, and a great leader. It's so interesting you mentioned it's, you know, when we've talked about diversion, I'm thinking, you know, I always think to myself, like, where was I, like 10 years ago, how did I not think, like really when it boils down, diversion, you're asking, you're just asking questions, right? Rather than jumping to one simple solution, you're asking a few questions, to see if that solution, as you said, could be, hey, let me help you with that utility bill. Let me help you with a little rent. Let me help you. Maybe a family member can step in before we automatically assume that they need sheltered care and that kind of, you know. So it's it blows me away. It's such a simple thing. and makes a huge difference. And, and you guys are, are doing great work there. Now, there's some silver linings that came out of the pandemic because we, we started some things and we, we did some things because of the pandemic. But, you know, with it, and with the pandemic, of course, is still going, but at a different stage. Now, you uh, started something with uh, new with healthcare practitioners, right? During the pandemic, can you tell us a little bit about that, and, and what's happening with that now?
0: Yeah, so we we uh, um, leave our, our site. So anybody
1: in our shelter who was uh, testing and for for COVID, um, or who who was COVID, we were able to isolate the site, but. Of isolating somebody on site, um, you know, mental health issues, substance use issues, is to be able to support them with appropriate primary health care supports. So, you know, as an organization that's not a health provider, um, we could provide some supports, that social supports, but we absolutely needed medical supports embedded uh, into that response. So, we worked with the Close Health Authority to develop a harm reduction approach to that. So, uh, some of our physicians who work with our data on collaborative uh, mapped several uh, you know to be employed if individual isolating needed it. And the whole intention of the program when we co- designed it and co funded it with the Eastern Health was that we would, we would see from response and, and support to having harm uh, reduction nurses go into shelters across our community. Um, and so beyond the pandemic now that we've wound down that I uh, our has transitioned from more of an, from a response and outreach and that complements our production and uh, nurses and health because they work the shelters, they make sure they make sure are uh, the triage and support their um, and just our building who typically have been marginalized from health health settings. Uh, so that that response. Is that it would become permanently funded? and It, it mostly is now through our health and our provincial government. So, so taking an opportunity of a, a need, some systems change, and seeing that on the ground made a world of difference for so many of the vulnerable folks in our community and partners who are providing extra level support.
2: I I bet it would, and and it's interesting what you, you talk about. I think. Um, many people might not understand that our vulnerable people that we work with just don't have access to a lot of the health care specialties that you're talking about. And if they don't address those things around harm reduction, housing becomes, uh, well, it becomes a lot tougher to house Mm -hmm. someone when they don't have health care. So that that, that is amazing that that you guys are doing that. Now, since just recently, uh, April twenty. This year, twenty uh, twenty-two, uh, you've seen a dramatic reduction in shelter stays for chronically homeless, and that's what brought. You know, when I was looking through this, you're like, "Oh, wow! This is we, we've got to we got to find out what your secret is and and what happened." Can you tell us a little bit about it? Mean, what, what what happened for this this huge shift? This is what we're all gunning for, and, and you've done it. So so tell us what, what's the secret sauce.
0: I mean, I'll do my best. I mean, we've been there for a few <laughs> months, but we totally done it. No,
1: zero community. And Bill 0 is all about using data to inform your so um, So as, as the community for St. John's, we received supplemental funding from reaching home. Um, and so what we did was, uh, we worked with uh, name list, We achieved a quality list for the community. We looked at it and we said, okay, what, what do, how many experiences in crime in our community versus overall homelessness? And what we said was, it's more than we thought as a community with this additional you know, $1, $5 million investment that the funds are making into our community. We did what we issued in RFP, we use information, demographic information uh, from the list, and, and as well as chronicity, um to, to look at who we invest in most appropriate supports for folks, you know, in our community, we were under the assumption that we just need a lot of rapid response support. The data shows that we had over 50% of our of our there's and folks who are experiencing homelessness, community so really high rates so what we did is we used that proxy for chronicity as a proxy for the level of intensive support that folks would require and we want to fund 12 you know housing case management positions intensive case management positions across our community that will serve every person that serve for every person that was identified as chronically homeless at that time and we issued uh, uh, as part of that RFP uh, request rapid rehousing housing support. So we could identify as who might be experiencing homelessness, having haven't reached the chronic threshold, but if you attached to supports, before then we could draw So the idea here is to reduce chronic homelessness by attaching into case management supports with a housing focus for those who are already we can identify those who might be with to rapid housing support. So seen in the last months is a um, reduction of about just over a third at this point uh, folks who are chronically and, and, and that's been three months again, the binameless access and those two to each other in a way that they haven't before. So all of our, our community is taking from the binameless. Uh, and that's part of it. it's a system change at the community level for sure. A lot of groups have yeah, waitlists. This is our community wait list. folks are waiting for services. So if we can attach them to an organization that can provide you know, a direct support, but also peripheral support so their supports. And we can we can see our outcomes over time. So, so we've seen in, in you know in the la- last three months reductions of reductions in homeless shelter stayers for all chronic homeless. And, and and, and homelessness in our communities, we're seeing a little bit of the secret sauce, which is just targeted uh, investments into positions that will fund folks across our community identified as experiencing homelessness. The target on chronic homelessness, uh, first and foremost.
2: So cool, and I love what you're saying. Is hey, we're serving those who uh, we've identified as being uh, experiencing chronic homelessness. But also we're turning off that tap so more people are coming into that because it never ends. And if you don't do that work, you know, and that can't go on forever. So you're, you're hoping that once you get to a certain point, there will be no chronic homelessness and you just be working with some people quickly to rapidly rehouse them. Incredible work. Uh, and, and learnings coming out of that, anything that you're learning so far that you've had to pivot or change a little bit?
0: Yeah, I think um, one of the things we were able to do was again working with our house authorities and seconded a uh, lead for, managers uh, that, are, that are across community, that we bring the same idea a uh, level of intensity of what case management looks like to be comparable across all of our community partners um, and just to make sure that that focus on housing um, uh, focused case management is, is is central to this work so that was one of the the big learnings and i think just um, recognizing that although we're using data to inform sort of investments into positions you know the 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 social work the psychology work the the uh, primary health work that's attached to to all of this is so important as well so while we can like target positions to be supporting certain people we have to recognize the human dynamic and what that presents and so um you know it 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 it's intentionally focused to be you know lower case loads more intensive supports a longer term of, of level of support so we're seeing some good early results but I think you know we were ex- we're still expecting better results over time as folks develop relationships and meaningful relationships with their supports
2: yeah I, I often say I say listen it's not an after school, after school special right like this this comes in waves and you have to put in the time it's got to be longer term uh, so so cool and you got and you're following mm-hmm. the data right? we've talked about on this podcast why data matters it does so you do it you're investing in the right things and you're doing exactly that uh you're being innovative you're being creative you and your team um i know uh matri actually just put out something on social assistance across my province across the country just talking about the rates and we're, we're going to actually have uh, uh grima from matri uh, come talk about that but you've done some uh work around uh income and so it, like so we know it plays a huge part uh, and uh, people experiencing homelessness, you've done some cool work around it. Supporting, can you talk to us a little bit of uh, what you've uh, what you've accomplished?
0: Yeah, I think again, the advantage of, for us being a, a system planning entity is that we can support um, our community partners um, support their their uh, clients in a way that allows us to share data um, to, to to show the scope and and, uh, and scale of some of the challenges. So. We do a lot of work around income supports, uh, advocacy, uh, but we also, like I've mentioned before, our supported referral program, we do a lot of top-ups to the income support program through um, you know, top-ups of a security deposit, top-up of a moving expense. Um, we do one-time rental assistance. So it, th- that covers the gap between somebody getting into a home say tomorrow Versus being eligible for their income support rental top up at the be- at the beginning of the next month, so we do a lot of work to offset the the gaps in our income support program, but those those gaps exist everywhere in the country. Um, the the rates are never enough. The uh, um, the the benefits are, are are never enough. And so where we can take this data, where I can tell you right now that you know in the first quarter of this year we've. We've we've spent you know um, eighty thousand dollars on our support referral program, to support dozens of folks through utility arrears, rental arrears that prevents folks from going into a shelter. But we've also got people out of shelter by topping up again dozens of folks through income support, um, uh, through rental assistance, through moving expenses, and through security deposit. So what we do with that information is we 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 work with our community advisory board, and we're saying how do we take this information and craft advocacy efforts that we can sustain over time to make the case for income support reform. So there's been a lot of work in our community around basic income, and my idea around basic income is get better better social assistance reform, and you, you may not even need it if you have you know less restrictive, less cumbersome uh, income support programs around the country. So, so we do a lot of advocacy, but we use the data to inform that advocacy. And that, that makes it harder for, for politicians to, to shy away from and you know, senior level bureaucrats to, to shy away from because you can't, you can't run away from the numbers. And uh, that's the big thing for us is how to use that data to inform advocacy.
2: Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I mean, this usually the first question they ask you, well, show me the proof. Yeah, how do you know this? You can, you can bet, well, you know, a lot of people are okay, well, well, and, and they're looking at also, you know, how is it, you know, vote, is that part of my voter base, et cetera, you know, they're looking at those things. It certainly matters. And man, I tell you, uh, in doing some research around uh, income sports in Ontario, that uh, our social assistance rates for both Ontario Works, which is welfare and disability are still below what they were in 1995 when uh, a government did a 21% cutback, right? We're still not there yet. I mean, the cost of living is you know, mm-hmm. sky high, right? So, so something's got to give, uh, but data speaks. If, if we're saying something's got to give, show me the data, show me how we're all gonna benefit out of this, and you're doing exactly that. You're doing great work. What is on the horizon? What have you got planned for the future? What are some cool things you like to do or you're, you're thinking about for the future with your community?
0: Yeah, I think for for us, I mean, we've we, you know we've kind of hit a, a a point of stability with our team. We've got our full staff complement. We've got a really great team, um, lots of different skill sets that are supporting this work. Um, I think we can tap into more of the the research community, help inform you know what the research looks like both here locally uh, or provincially, as well as regionally and nationally. We can start to be more informed and engaged in that. We've got the data. We've got the capacity. I think continuing to build on systems coordination, integrating our healthcare system, our uh, our primary health uh, system capacity into coordinated access, because we know housing is healthcare, um, and uh, we need to do more of that. There's an appetite, fortunately. We've got great relationships with our health authority to make that happen. It's now just figuring out what does that look like um, that will benefit all of our community uh, here in Saint John's. So I think just building out more of the the foundations of the of the importance of the importance of the work around. Uh, coordinated access, using the buy list to make an, informed decisions, uh, using the data to advocate for, for systems level changes around income support, uh, rental right. subsidies, uh, health care access. So a lot more just refining and sophistication of the current work that we're doing so that we can tell an even more important story, a more impactful story about why reducing homelessness and ending homelessness is, is really the best option, not just from an economic perspective, but a social perspective as well
2: human perspective incredible work you mentioned uh your website and you mentioned there's uh it's pretty cool that right away you see some of that data you see a dashboard can you tell us that that website again if people want to find out more about the work you're doing or reach out to you say to to find out more so they can duplicate that in another part of the world or canada uh, where would they go
0: yeah you can uh you can reach us online our website is uh, wecanendit.com um you can find us on twitter facebook linkedin can find us across the social media platforms there as well so um, but definitely check our website out we've got a we've got a dashboard out there you can learn more about our programs uh, and services and the way we're supporting our community
2: very cool well i am so grateful dr you and your team for the groundbreaking work you're doing Uh, i love this work since april you know that you you've you've kind of invested you're seeing immediate results i can't wait to see the longer term results because i I bet that's going to continue to grow the rest of the country the rest of the world can can learn from that. So thank you to you and your team, and thank you for taking the time uh, to join me today on, on the way home.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate your time. Appreciate the opportunity.
2: Very cool. And listen, you know, selfishly, uh, part of why we do this podcast you know, or selfishly for me, why I do the podcast, is inspiration, but always learning, right? I mean, there's there's some brilliant people and, and people, uh, teams around the country that are doing leading work uh, I love what Doug was saying around, you know, in his community, like they have kind of forced to get, to work really collaboratively as a community. And when you have collaboration and you follow the data, listen to the data, you know, good things happen. And that's what we saw today in talking with Doug and his work, go to the website. I love that uh, website title, uh, check it out. Uh, we all can learn from that Duplicate it across the country. That's how we're going to prevent it and end homelessness. Wow, uh, another superb Uh, guest on the way home. And I guarantee we'll have another great one next week. So please join us. We'll see you then.